Section 13 of A History of the Earthquake and Fire in San Francisco by Frank Aitken and Edward Hilton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Casper and Greg Giordano. Appendix The Record of the Earthquake The diagram represents the record made on the seismograph at the Chabot Observatory at Oakland. Professor C. Burkhalter who was in charge of the observatory, says of the record, It shows that the main motion was gyratory, but the wave-like and the up-and-down motions were present also. The dashes and dots represent the up-and-down motion. The instrument enlarges the diagram, the real motion of the Earth's surface being a little over half an inch, but not as much as six-tenths of an inch. The time was 5.14 and 48 seconds a.m. April 18th, and the duration 28 seconds. The shock was so violent that the pen ran off the plate several times, that is, the instrument was not capable of recording so severe a shock. According to the preliminary report of the State Earthquake Investigation Committee, the time of the beginning of the shock, as recorded in the observatory at Berkeley, was 5 hours 12 minutes 6 seconds a.m. Pacific Standard Time. The end of the shock was 5 hours 13 minutes 11 seconds a.m., the duration being 1 minute 5 seconds. Professor A. O. Leuchner of the University of California states that the principal part of the earthquake came in two sections, the first a series of vibrations lasting about 40 seconds, and that the vibrations diminished considerably during the following ten seconds, and then continued with renewed vigor for about twenty-five seconds more. The record made at the University Observatory at Berkeley shows that the motion of the Earth's surface there was about half an inch, but according to Professor Leuchner it was undoubtedly greater in San Francisco. Professor A. W. Whitney states, that the amplitude of vibration at Mount Hamilton was about an inch. The period of the vibration was about one second. The preliminary tremors were recorded by the instrument at the Weather Bureau Laboratory at Washington, D.C., for about six minutes before the main shock. These preliminary vibrations reached Tokyo about eleven and a half minutes after they were felt in San Francisco, and lasted nine and three-quarters minutes. In Tokyo and in Washington, the actual motion of the ground was a little less than half an inch, but because of its slowness it was perceptible only to the instruments. At Birmingham, England, the preliminary tremors lasted twenty-five minutes. These preliminary tremors occur because some small waves of vibration travel through the earth at the rate of about seven miles a second while the larger waves travel more slowly, at about two miles per second, apparently moving on the surface. It is this preliminary vibration that produces the rumbling often heard just previous to earthquake shocks. Such a rumbling sound was heard as far away as Death Valley, California, more than 400 miles from San Francisco, in connection with the earthquake under consideration. Because of the different speeds at which the preliminary and main vibrations travel, the duration of the introductory tremors enable the approximate center of the disturbance to be located. The observations made at the Lick Observatory on Mount Hamilton 
about ten miles south of San Jose, indicate that the shock originated about ninety miles north of that point, that is, in the neighborhood of Tamales Bay. Statistics of the Fire The area of the burned district was 2,593 acres, or 4.05 square miles. The area of the district burned over by the Chicago fire was 2,124 acres, or about three and one-third square miles. The Baltimore fire of February 7th and 8th, 1904, burned over 140 acres, or less than one-quarter of a square mile. The Chicago fire burned 17,450 buildings, the San Francisco fire about 25,000. The property loss in the Chicago fire was $196 million, with insurance amounting to $88 million, of which about half was recovered. The loss in the San Francisco fire is estimated by the Chamber of Commerce at $350 million, and the insurance at $235 million. It is calculated that payments will equal about 80% of the total amount. As a result of the Chicago fire, 46 insurance companies, of 255 that had risks in that city, failed. Of the 106 that had risks in San Francisco, five have gone into the hands of receivers. CONCLUSIONS AS TO BUILDING METHODS The lessons to be learned from the earthquake are simple but significant. There is nothing new in them. The earthquake merely emphasized certain matters that had been somewhat overlooked, bearing in mind the fact that it is only in buildings on made land that unusual precautions are required, and that in other cases buildings conforming to the standard of good building elsewhere are safe. They may be summarized as follows foundations should be made of ample strength and should as far as possible be in one piece rather than in separate pieces on made land or soft soil of any sort foundations for heavy buildings should be deep superstructures should be well fastened to foundations and should be thoroughly braced frame structures should have the wall studding well braced diagonally brick walls should be laid in cement mortar and should be held and braced together by the joists and by earthquake rods well anchored parapet walls and gable ends should be securely braced coppings and cornices should be of light material brick and stone should in all cases be well bonded and facing courses never laid as a veneer. With proper attention to these well-known requirements, San Francisco buildings should be immune from damage by any ordinary shock. The lessons of the fire are likewise more important than novel. They, too, call attention to what was well known before as to protection against ordinary fires the certain materials break down under fire influence and have to be extensively repaired or replaced was shown clearly it was demonstrated for instance 
that stone of various sorts including the marble of interior finish and stair treads elaborately modelled hollow terracotta where severely tested and ornamental iron work are destroyed by a severe fire the terracotta tile floor arches and blocks of the same material used for partitions and for protecting steelwork have to be replaced to a large extent and cement on wire almost wholly and that the steelwork itself sustains serious injury wherever such fireproofing fails in connection with the possible spread of a fire and the risk of conflagration the following may be noted ordinary brick-walled buildings offer almost no resistance to the spreading of a fire and that even the most nearly fireproof buildings have many serious defects as far as resistance to conflagration is concerned in a general conflagration such a building is menaced throughout its upper stories by the intense heat of the upper air for this reason solid walls without openings should be provided wherever possible window openings should be small and few and should be protected by the use of metal sash and wired glass where possible and by fireproof shutters or screens automatic or otherwise it is important that interior partitions floors etc be made fireproof to minimize the spreading of fires within buildings doors etc should be metal sheathed if hollow tile partitions are used they should be better built so as to hold together more solidly it would seem eminently desirable that office buildings which necessarily have many window spaces should have a really fireproof wall say of brick with wired glass transoms and metal sheathed doors to divide the front rooms from the others and prevent the spread of a fire through the building after it had effected an entrance such construction would have saved for instance at least three-fourths of the merchants exchange in james flood buildings vertical openings such as elevator shafts and stairways should be isolated by fireproof walls if possible and there should certainly be no combustible material adjacent to them such as the usual room doors opening on central hallways both the atlas and the coal buildings seem to have been saved from destruction mainly by the fact that there is nothing combustible near the elevator shaft the only really safe method perhaps would be to enclose the elevator in a brick-walled shaft with automatic fire doors at the openings on each story statement of relief funds from report november seventeen nineteen o six receipts from cash subscriptions six million two hundred and thirteen thousand two hundred and fifty nine dollars and twenty eight cents expenditures four million six hundred and twenty eight thousand four hundred and fifty two dollars and twenty three cents as follows housing the homeless one million two hundred and thirty four thousand ninety four dollars and forty three cents relief of hungry one million one hundred and forty six thousand 
$412.68. Rehabilitation, $1,023,166.51. Sanitation, $231,020.74. Transportation, $171,000. $470.53. Sick and wounded, $147,899.90. Construction and operation of permanent camps, $140,805.56. Relief of other cities, $138,000. $934.00 General Administration and Accounting $120,379.67 Construction and Operation of Relief Sections $92,804.21 Clothing Relief $66,000 $255.09 Special Relief of Hospitals and Charitable Institutions $55,774.45 Red Cross Administration $23,383.02 Reorganization of City $23,033 and thirty-six cents. Appropriations for special purposes, five thousand seven hundred and eighty dollars and zero cents. Preliminary relief, organization and administration, four thousand two hundred and ninety-eight dollars and zero cents. Miscellaneous, two thousand nine hundred and forty dollars and eight cents. Excess of receipts over expenditures, $1,584,807.05. In addition to receipts noted above, funds aggregating about $3,300,000 are held by relief organizations in other states, chiefly the National Red Cross. The above report shows that the expense of administration has been about 3% of the amount expended. Insurance Settlements The report of the Special Committee of the Chamber of Commerce on Insurance Settlements shows that the following insurance companies paid claims in full or with discounts from 2 to 5% for cash. Aetna of Hartford Alliance of Philadelphia, American of Newark, American Central, Atlas, California, Citizens, Connecticut, Continental, German Alliance, German American, Glens Falls, Hartford of Hartford, Home of New York, Insurance Company of North America, Law Union and Crown, Liverpool and London and Globe, London Assurance Corporation, Manchester Mercantile Fire and Marine, Michigan Fire and Marine, New Hampshire, New York Underwriters, Niagara, 
north british and mercantile northern of london northwestern national pelican pennsylvania phoenix of london queen royal scottish union and national security of new haven springfield state of liverpool st paul fire and marine sun teutonia union assurance victoria the same report shows that most of the other companies made settlements at from sixty to ninety per cent that the american of freeport american of philadelphia duchess german of peoria in new york paid fifty per cent or less that the atlanta birmingham austrian phoenix north german of hamburg rhine and moselle and transatlantic denied liability and withdrew from the state and that receivers were appointed for the german national german of freeport north german of new york security of baltimore and traders of chicago end of section thirteen end of a history of the earthquake and fire in san francisco by frank aiken and edward hilton